So if you guys could all stand with me, we stand in reverence for um, God's holy word um, inspired by the Spirit. Today we're going to be in 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verses 1 through 8. If you don't have a Bible, there are Bibles under the seats around the room. Um, and if you don't have a Bible again at home, please take a Bible home. Um, that's our member's gift to you. Write your name in the front there, um, and that's yours. All right, 2 Corinthians 8, 1 through 8. We want you to know, brothers, about the grace of God that has been given among the churches of Macedonia. For in a severe test of affliction, their abundance of joy and their extreme poverty have overflowed in a wealth of generosity on their part. For they gave according to their means, as I can testify, and beyond their means of their own accord, begging us earnestly for the favor of taking part in the relief of the saints. And this, not as we expected, but they gave themselves first to the Lord and then by the will of God to us. Accordingly, we urge Titus that as he had started, so he should complete among you this act of grace. But as you excel in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in all earnestness, and in our love for you, see that you excel in this act of grace also. I say this not as a command, but to prove by the earnestness of others that your love also is genuine. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we just, we thank you for your generosity. We thank you that um, you don't have to prove anything, that you, you showed us your love, your deep love for us and generosity um, by giving us your son Jesus, um, that he would die on our part, um, on our behalf, that we may have life in you, Father. Would you transform our hearts through this message today that the Holy Spirit has given? Would you just transform our hearts? Holy Spirit, would you soften um, our hearts to receive this, and we just pray that this honors you and glorifies you, um, and I just pray for Pastor Tim. I ask that you would bless him through this as well. Um, we thank you for him, and we thank you for your love, Father God. In your name we pray, amen. All right, so if you guys can remember, in the beginning of every year, um, I asked the Lord um, what he would have for us as a church family. Um, what direction would he have us go in? Um, and it was really apparent that the Lord for this year uh, would have us look into what it looks like to grow deeper in him. And that's kind of the, the year vision. Um, we're halfway through the year. Did you know that? That's crazy. That's crazy. We're halfway through the year, and so we're in two weeks of taking a break before we go into Ezra, and so I thought, hey, let's revisit what it looks like to grow deeper. If you guys remember back in January or February, um, 
I, I kind of built out three different points of what it's going to look like for us as a family, as believers of God, uh, what it would look like to grow deeper. And the first thing would be uh, we have to plug into his word, right? The charge is like get onto a, a scripture reading um, uh, where you can read throughout the year. The second thing is plug into community. Um, there are no such things as lone Christians, amen? Like we need uh, our fellow believers by, beside us to lift us, us uh, up and point us to Jesus. And the last th- uh, thing is we have to walk in obedience to Jesus to grow deeper in him, to root ourselves in the word of God, root ourselves in Jesus. And so as we have this break before our next um, sermon series, I, I really was just praying and contemplating on what, what, what should we talk into? Um, what is the thing that lo- the Lord wants to talk about? You see, in the beginning of this year, um, when I built this vision out for us, I think in February, I got news that they were going to raise our, the amount of this building by 30%. And I was like... I was worried. I was stressed out. And I'm like, oh, my goodness. But then as that settled, right, and my eyes realigned and refocused on on Jesus, right, because he sustains us, um, it became blaringly obvious. If our vision is going to be growing deeper, the Lord was going to grow us deeper by going after the number one, um, uh, the number one uh, competitor of our worship. Money, money. And so before you check out, before you check out, this sermon is about money, but it's something about uh, a lot deeper than that. Um, It's a lot deeper than that. You see, because money is an important topic. Uh, Money is mentioned a lot in scripture. Did you know that? Money is the main subject um, in over half of Jesus' parables that he taught. Uh, Out of the 29 recorded parables Jesus taught, 16 of those 29 dealt with a person's relationship with money. I thought that was really interesting, and I asked the question, why? And here's the reason why. Jesus understood that what we love is what we invest in, what we invest in is what we love, and what we love and invest in is what we worship. So yes, we're going to talk about money, because if money is the number one obstacle, the number one competitor of our worship, then we're going to address that head on, amen? Because Jesus is worthy of all of our worship. He's worthy of everything. Um, I like Deuteronomy actually talks about this. He says, uh, the Deuteronomy 14, 23 says, the purpose of giving is to teach you uh, always to put God first in our lives. I love one theologian said, money is like manure. If you stack it up and hide it away, it stinks. But if you spread it around, it helps things grow. I was like, that's, that's awesome. 
You see, this passage is about generosity. And we can think about generosity in a, a bunch of different ways. Um, and it can apply in a, a few different ways, right? We could be generous with our time. We could be generous with serving others. But here in this passage, Paul wants to get at what does it look like to be financially generous? So before we dive into this passage, I need to give us a little bit of context, because you remember last week, we kind of put uh, Paul to rest, right, at the end of 1 Timothy. We're kind of resurrecting him again. So let's see what Paul has to say here in uh, this passage. Um, In this passage, this is Paul's third time um, going through one of his missionary journeys, um, where he took the gospel of Jesus from Judea to Antioch uh, and throughout Asia Minor, spreading the gospel throughout the world. Um, On Paul's third missionary journey, he takes up a collection of finances, okay, uh, from all the churches to help the church in Judea that was going through uh, some struggles and suffering. Uh, the, The letter here that Paul is writing to is to the church in Corinth. And the church in Corinth, if you guys remember any history about the church in Corinth, it was, uh, it was a rough church. We thought Timothy had it bad. The church in Corinth was, that was a rough one. Um, and what was, the church in Corinth was having a huge issue with generosity. They were having a huge issue with generosity. They were struggling with that. And you see, Paul, in this passage, gives the church in Corinth four qualities of generosity and one core truth about generosity, which leads me to my big idea and what Paul is really trying to hit home with the church in Corinth. Generosity is love in action. Write it down. Generosity is love in action. So let's go through this. The first quality of generosity Uh, The first quality of generosity Paul wants to get at is generosity is an indicator. Generosity is an indicator. And I'm going to read verse 1, and I'm going to jump all the way down to verse 6 and 7, okay? So follow along. It says, um, we want you to know, brothers, about the grace of God that has been given among the churches in Macedonia. Accordingly, we urge Titus that as he had started, so he should complete among you this act of grace. But as you excel in everything, in faith, in speech, and knowledge, in all earnestness, and in our love for you, see that you excel in this act of grace also. See, like I said, Paul is writing to this church in Corinth. And uh, the first thing Paul gets out right in verse 1, uh, Paul is pointing the church uh, of Corinth to look at the churches in Macedonia as an example of what generosity looks like. And what this shows us is that generosity, when generosity is exposed, when it's uh, acted upon, when it's uh, applied, it's the proof, the signal, the sign that God is working in someone's heart. Generosity is the thermometer of grace. In verse 7, he says, uh, see that you excel in this act of grace. You guys remember last week, we, we talked, the whole sermon was about grace, right? What is grace? You guys remember the definition? Grace is unmerited favor. Unmerited favor. A gift that we didn't earn. A gift that was freely given. So in this part, uh, what Paul is saying is generosity 
is favor shown because of favor received. Generosity is favor shown because of favor received. You see, God's people are marked with grace and mercy. And as an indicator that we follow as a church, as a people, uh, Jesus, and have been transformed by Jesus, we walk as people in generosity. Why? Because our God is a generous God. Amen? We cannot be a people of stinginess, right? Because that's not a good example of who Jesus was. But we are a people that walk in generosity. I love what Martin Luther says. He says, true giving is not motivated by the desire for recognition or reward, but by the deep gratitude uh, for the grace and mercy we have received from God. See, when I, when I think of this passage, I hope as a, as a living stones, not only living stones firmly, but all the living stones in northern Nevada, we would be like the Macedonia churches, a church that sets an example for their city, um, for our city of Fernley, uh, for the churches in the area of what it looks like to be radical, uh, radically generous. You see, if we could be a church or even uh, all of our church could be so radically generous, that's contagious and that changes things, family. Being radically generous changes our city and lives forever. The second quality of generosity is generosity is sacrificial. Generosity is sacrificial. Let's read verse two and three. For in a severe test of affliction, their abundance of joy and their extreme poverty have overflowed in a wealth of generosity on their part. For they gave according to their means, as I can testify, and beyond their means of their own accord. Um, so a little bit of context here. The churches in uh, Macedonia area, they didn't have a lot. Uh, in fact, they themselves were going through trials and sufferings. It says that there was poverty, uh, there was affliction. Um, they were the average Joe people right? They were friendly people, average Joe people, right? But look at what they didn't say. Look at what the people within the Macedonian churches didn't say. They didn't say, I'll give generously when I have more. That's not what they said. And I, 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 you guys know that I love statistics, right? And so I'll nerd out with you guys just for a moment. Um, I was looking at statistics of generosity, 